what we find is that while we have our favorite games, there is a game called Mind Games, a game that Satan loves to play with each and every one of us. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, good morning, Putnam City Baptist Church. We are one Sunday away from returning back to a new normal. We will kick off in October, October the 4th, our first Sunday back indoors for worship. I hope if you're able and that you're in town that you will join us on that big day as we gather back together here at church. We've been having our ABF groups meeting on Saturday nights, but everything is moving back to Sundays on October the 4th. We'll have our 945 worship service and our 1105 service. Whatever Sunday school hour you went to, you'll go to that same Sunday school hour as we move back. Although four classes will be launching a new venue over at the Wellness Center. We're doing that to spread out, to be safely distanced. And I appreciate those four Sunday school classes that are allowing us to reboot as we come back indoors. That group will have an 8.30 worship service, and they'll go to Sunday school in the Wellness Center at 9.45. So that's a little bit different for them, but for the majority of us, we'll be going back to our regular schedules. On October 4th, we're also starting a new sermon series. Not uh, What Would Jesus Do? You remember WWJD? Well, we're going to do WWJS. What Would Jesus Say? About four years ago, I did a similar sermon series. And we're going to bring that back, especially during this season we live in. We're going to take a look at what would Jesus say to Putnam City Baptist Church. Clearly in the book of Revelation, God spoke to his church and had a special message for many of those churches there in the book of Revelation. I believe he has a special message for us as a people as well. We'll also look at what would Jesus say to Donald Trump? And what would Jesus say to Joe Biden? What would Jesus say... Uh, to LeBron James and maybe some other personalities that we'll bring in and we'll look at what do God conversations look like. I'm convinced that many of our conversations in this day and age are radically different than the conversations Jesus had with people during his day. So I hope you'll join us as we regather and as we reboot with a new sermon series. It'll be an exciting time. We also are rebooting our Wednesday nights. We were changing our schedule consolidating back to uh, having a meal at 5.30. It'll look a little bit different, but we'll have a meal. At 6.30, we'll have our Awanas, our middle school ministry, and also in this space, we will have now a midweek worship service. We'll be having live praise and worship every Wednesday night. The choir will occasionally join us in on that, uh, and then we'll have a full sermon series. It'll be just like an old-fashioned Sunday night church starting on October the 7th. And then in November, on the first Sunday night of every month, first Sunday night of each month starting in November, we'll have our Sunday night church meetings as well. So you'll be hearing more about that. We're going to be having the Lord's Supper each time we gather that one Sunday night a month. We'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. We'll have praise and worship and also encouragement from God's Word. But this morning, let's dig in and let's take a look at what God has to say to you and to me as we go through the days we're living in. I kind of ventured out of the 360 Love series and wanted to just kind of prepare us as we come into a new normal, a new schedule, a new building, frankly, uh, and that we look at the reality of the mind games that Satan plays on each and every one of us. Now, growing up, we all grew up with our favorite games. I did a check kind of on the history of games 
in the United States and went back all the way into the 1920s. The 1920s, the common games that were being played in those days was uh, the teddy bear, Raggedy Ann, as you can see there, and Crayola Crayons. All those were new toys, new games in the 1920s. In the 1930s, believe it or not, we had these common games, Monopoly, Sorry, and Scrabble. In the 1940s, we found Candyland, Chutes and Ladders, Silly Putty, and the Tonka Toy Truck, 1950s. We all of a sudden woke up to Mr. Potato Head. What a great day that was. Hula Hoop, Frisbee, and Barbie Dolls, the 1960s. The common games that were played in the 60s was Easy Bake Oven, the G.I. Joe, Etch-A-Sketch, and Southern Baptist favorite, Twister. Everybody loves Twister. In the 1970s, we had our Matchbox cars, Rubik's Cubes, skateboards. In the 1980s, it got a little strange with the Cabbage Patch dolls, the Trivial Pursuit, and then the invention of video games, especially the Nintendo game system. Well, since that time, there have been more games and different games and all kinds of games. And what we find is that while we have our favorite games, there is a game called Mind Games, a game that Satan loves to play with each and every one of us. He loves to get inside our head and play games with our hearts as he gets through our heads. But we understand life is not a game, but the enemy loves to play mind games. He loves to kill, steal, and destroy. And we're going to see in Scripture today that it all starts with our minds. Let me show you. Go to Proverbs this morning, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. Here we get wisdom from God's Word, the book of wisdom, Proverbs. And in Proverbs 23, 7, we have this nugget of truth. For as a person, as he thinks within himself, so he is. Your translation might say, as a man thinks within himself, so he will act. Uh, we find that it all starts with the mind. And what happens between our two ears leads from our life in the actions that we take. Our minds are creative, brilliant uh, gifts from God. And yet, in our uniqueness and our ability to think, we also have the struggle of our minds. And our minds can actually play tricks on us. I'll give you a couple examples. I'm going to put some pictures up on the screen. And I want you to tell me what you see. What does your mind tell you you see? For example, how many legs do you see on the elephant? Go ahead and count them. Take a look at it. How many legs on this elephant in the drawing? Some might see four, because you would expect to see four. Some might see five, some might see six. Some of you might not be seeing much at all. Everything may be a blur, because it's an early Sunday morning for you. But uh, we all see maybe something different. Take a look at this next picture, and tell me what you see. Just look at it, and what do you see? Well, for some, those of you who go way back to the Raggedy Ann days and uh, some of those earlier toys, you might see Lucille Ball. Can you see Lucille Ball there? As you look mainly at the white surface, you'll see her two eyes and her nose in the black. Uh, as you focus in on the white, it looks like perhaps Lucille Ball or a lady. If you focus strictly on the black, maybe you saw someone playing a saxophone. And again, depending on how old you are or what generation you're from, Maybe that looks like Bill Clinton to you, playing the saxophone. That just may be your perspective. 
Take a look at this next picture and tell me what you see. For some people, they just see a weird picture. For others, they see a man's silhouette. They see a man perhaps wearing glasses or at least the two eyes and the white, their nose, the mouth. And then if you turn your head just slightly to the side, you can see the word liar written in cursive. Can you see it? Did you see it at first? What did you first see? Everybody sees something different. Take a look at this next slide. And your mind will really play games with you on this one. And I want you to see all the dots and tell me, are the dots white or are they black? Take a look at it. Focus in on your screen there. Take a look, white or black dots. Let's take a look at this next picture. Tell me what you see. Take it all in. Abstractly, you might be looking at that and say, well, it's obvious. I see an old man with a beard and some curly locks. And that's the bigger picture. That's what a lot of people will see at first. There's another picture there to be seen if you look deeper. And uh, you might see a young man, a young Robin Hood-looking character kissing a young maiden. Uh, I'll circle the two areas there. You can see the two circles. You'll see the young man. You can see the young lady. And they're embracing under a foliage arch. But maybe you didn't see that at first. Take a look at this next picture and tell me what that says. Well, it's obvious. It says a bird in the bush, right? Well, go back and look at it a little bit more closely and what you'll notice is your mind played tricks on you. It literally says a bird in the, the bush. Did you see both of these or did you just read it as a bird in the bush. Well, your mind is always running faster than sometimes you actually are aware. And your mind is always processing so many images, so many things, so many experiences. And that's where Satan loves to play. He loves to play mind games. Now, I know you've heard it say, you are what you eat. If that's the case, you can call me Bluebell Bill. Uh, but the better phrase, according to Proverbs, is you are what you think. As a man thinks, so he will be. Remember what it says in Romans chapter 12? You don't have to turn there, but we were told in Romans chapter 12 by the Apostle Paul that we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're transformed through the renewing of our, not commitment, not dedication, not our, renewing of our mind. Paul was reminding them that there was a battle that wages every day, and it happens between our two ears right there in our minds. If you think about it, you have experienced all kinds of battles in your mind um, before you were saved and even after you were saved. Things that come our way, things that we think that just pop into our mind, things like, does God really love me? Other, uh, other images or mindsets that we can take on is I'm a failure. My life's a mess. I just can't get it together. And all these negative things start pounding on us, and it starts in our minds. All these crazy negative thoughts are contrary to God's word, God's eternal truth. God's word tells us that we are deeply loved by God, that God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that God demonstrated his love for us. And while we were sinners, not when we were good, not when we were angelic, but when we were sinners, he demonstrated his love for us. 
His love is unconditional. His word tells us that we're more than conquerors, that we are people who not only have victory, but can't experience defeat. We're more than a conqueror. God's word also tells us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. My experience in my own personal life and then counseling many people over the years is that very few people ever come to that mature point in their faith like David did when he said, God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He wasn't going to give the enemy any opportunity to bring into his life stinking thinking. He wasn't going to give out and he wasn't going to lose the game, mind games. Well, today I want to challenge you and I want you to take on from Scripture God's perspective. Take a look at this picture on the screen next. This is a picture of what looks like a chessboard. And as you take a look, what do you see on the screen? Some people would say, well, that's a pawn. If you know much about chess, pawns are considered pretty insignificant pieces. They have the least value on the board. That's exactly what Satan wants you to think about who you are, that you're just a pawn in, in this game called life, that you really don't have that much significance and much value. And yet if you look at the shadow that's cast over that pawn, you see that what you see really that exists is the king. And we are children of the king. But so many of us only see ourselves as pawns and insignificant when God's word wants you to understand who you are through Christ. You're a child of the king. Why don't we ever think those kinds of thoughts? Why doesn't it just come to us daily that we are fearfully and wonderfully made? Why do we struggle with our thinking? Well, it goes all the way back to the beginning. We don't have time to study this, but in Genesis chapter 2, we find the first mind game ever being played. Satan comes to Adam and Eve, and he begins to twist their minds. He begins to twist God's word. He begins to twist their life experience. And in that, the very first thing he did is he got them to question what was true. What did God say? What has God said? What is truth? And he twisted it, and he distorted it, and he talked them into a lie. He also tries to tell us that there's no consequences for our sin. That we won't die, that we won't experience destruction, that, that we can do whatever we want and life will go just fine. He loves to play the mind game of getting us to think that God isn't fair. He told Adam and Eve, well, God just doesn't want you to eat from that tree because you'll just be like him. And he started playing those mind games that even God was playing mind games with them, twisting the truth. He loves to play the mind game and tell us that disobedience is desirable. They looked at the tree, they saw the fruit, it looked good, it was desirable to the eye. He took them from what God had declared to what they wanted to experience, playing the mind games. And then in the end, as they sinned and fell short of the glory of God, he whispered in their ears, you failed. You've fallen short of God's glory. You did what God said you shouldn't do. You're now naked and ugly before God, and you need to run and run and run as far as you can because God doesn't love you anymore. Well, that was a snapshot of the first games ever played on this earth. Way before Raggedy Ann, way before Nintendo, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Way before you and I would ever struggle between our own two ears, Adam and Eve had the first mind games, and they lost in the garden. So as we move forward, what can we learn from history, their history and our history? What can we learn from Scripture 
especially in these days when we have been sheltering at home, isolated from our normal activities, going through all the mental struggles that every one of us have faced, how do we reboot? How do we return back to a new normal? Well, I want to take you to some key truths and just remind you of some basic things. That as we start moving forward, that we would continue to let God give us the victory. First thing, write it down in your notes, is to realize that we're in a daily war. Paul had to remind him of this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. And while Jerusalem was occupied by Rome, they were still at peace, at least with Rome. They didn't like Rome having uh, lordship over them, and yet, but they weren't at war. There was still a time of peace. But Paul said, no, you need to understand something. We are at war. And we battle not with flesh and blood, with Rome or with one another. Our battle's not with people. But he said, daily we battle against the spirits and principalities, the, the, the principles of darkness, the realities of Satan's kingdom that comes against us each and every day to kill, steal, and destroy. So realize, number one, we're in a war. And number two, you need to understand the weapons of this war. So let me take you over to 2 Corinthians. Uh, it's spoken about in Ephesians chapter 6. We see the armor of God there. But I want to take you over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want you to see Paul teaching the church on how they can have victory in their daily lives in the daily battles that are waged, the battles that happen in our minds. Take a look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now, obviously we do tend to fall back to our flesh. That's why Paul's having to teach here. That's why Paul's trying to give this truth. He's reminding them, no, 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 don't do that. What you're doing is not going to bring you victory. Christians in his day were struggling just like Christians in our day. They were also suffering defeats in their personal lives just like we do from time to time. And the Apostle Paul is teaching them, instructing them and saying, no, 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 you've got to see life differently. Just because you walk in the flesh, you cannot war according to the flesh. As we grow up in life, we learn how to fight. We learn how to be at war with people. We see wars every single day breaking out all over the globe and all since the very beginning of time, all the way back to Cain and Abel, this planet has been torn up with war. And so we learn some bad habits through the physical world we live in that we transfer to the spiritual realm. And the Apostle Paul had to remind them, you cannot fight like natural men you must fight differently because your battle is not just in this physical realm, it's also in the spiritual realm. Our weaponry is much different. Our weapons, uh, while there are overwhelming destructive weapons on this planet, while there are things that have been invented by man that have destroyed countless hundreds of thousands and millions of people throughout human history, they all pale in comparison and are impotent in fighting spiritual battles. Take a look at verse 4. He goes on to explain. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of this flesh. Nothing that man can create, design, or produce. It's not something that you can manufacture. But they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Take a look at the word he uses there about the power of our weapons. They are divinely 
powerful. Paul teaches us here that the weapons that we now have as followers of Christ are divine weapons. That means they're from above. They are God's weapons given to us to fight the battles we have each and every day. But if I don't understand that my weapons come from above, I will fight with my own strength, my own hands, my own heart, my own willpower, and I will fail every single time. The weapons that bring us victory are those divine weapons given to us by God. And so to win the battle of the mind, you have to think differently, and you have to be equipped differently. And you can't fight like you used to fight, and you can't fight like other people fight, but you have to fight these mind games with the weapons that only God can give. In Romans chapter 7, I've quoted this recently a lot in my sermon series, the Apostle Paul had to learn as he rejected his religious old life and received a relationship with Christ, he had to realize there was nothing he could manufacture. He couldn't be good enough for God. He couldn't be strong enough for God. He actually was a bankrupt soul. And that as he trusted Christ and invited Christ in his life, he received the riches of God and the power of God. And it was Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 who says, there's nothing good, there's nothing good that dwells in me. I'm not strong enough. I'm not committed enough. I'm not faithful enough in my own flesh. But the Christ who lives in me, he's my strength. It's the law of the Spirit that sets us free, those divine weapons that God provides. Well, my question for you is, as you are facing your daily life, your daily struggles, are you engaging the enemy with your divine given weapons? Are you experiencing God's designed plan for this war that wages every single day? Well, let's take a look at the last part of that verse again. What is the purpose of our divine weapons? It says there, it is to destroy the fortresses that the enemy builds in our lives. Destroying the strongholds and fortresses that Satan tries to build up in the way you think. Psalm chapter 18 verse 2 tells us what kind of fortress we should be experiencing and it's radically different than what many experience in their Christianity. In Psalm 18 2 it says the Lord is my rock and my fortress. That's where we find our safe place and the Lord wants to be that strong strength in your life. He wants to bring you that victory. The Lord is my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. There's your victory. He's my God and my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I would say to you that everybody has a stronghold. The question is, is God your stronghold? Is he your fortress? Or has the enemy over time slowly snuck in behind the lines? And has he, brick by brick, started building up walls, strongholds, and stinking thinking. It's a battle all of us face. It's a battle that comes at us every single day. And what we find, while Psalms 18.2 says the Lord should be our stronghold, if we go back to 2 Corinthians 10, Paul is saying the reality is many of us have allowed Satan to build up the fortress, for him to build up walls in our minds that lead to walls in our hearts. So how do we ever get there? How do we ever find victory? Well, let's go back and see what Paul taught. 2 Corinthians 10, 
Take a look at verse 5. He's going to teach about how you get victory when the enemy has taken over the fortress. Instead of God being our stronghold, stinking thinking has now taken over the castle. How do you get victory? How do you ever get the castle back? How do you ever kick the enemy out? Well, we're taught, verse 5. You've probably read this before, and you're probably very familiar with the language, but maybe you didn't understand how it tied back to warfare. Let me show you what he was teaching, verse 5. He says, we are destroying speculations, every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. So as we look at that, you probably have heard, maybe memorized, and maybe even quote from time to time, I need to take every thought captive. But I want you to see the picture that was being painted here by the Apostle Paul. He was using a very natural picture to paint a supernatural reality. He was taking an object of their day, strongholds, castles, fortified cities, and teaching them, just like they understood warfare in their day, in the natural realm, how that applies to the spiritual realm. So what does that mean? What, what do we see here? Well, take a look at this picture of a walled city. If you go out to Europe and Middle East, you'll find that uh, in those days, to protect the people from the attacks of an enemy country, they would build walled cities, walled fortresses. They would have towers and key locations to be able to watch from afar if anybody was approaching. They would put seasoned veteran men in those towers to give instructions to those behind the wall how they could defend their city. And as long as you were in the fortress, the enemy couldn't touch you. Well, what happens if the enemy takes the castle? What happens if the enemy is the one who's now set up the stronghold and you're trapped inside? See, I believe there are many people that are worshiping right now. You love the Lord. You know the Lord. And yet there's a part of your life that the enemy has set up a stronghold, a lie that you're believing, a struggle that owns you, and then the enemy has convinced you that that's just the way it's going to be or that's just the way you are. You've tried before to get victory and you just can't get victory and that's just the way it's going to be. I want you to understand that's a stronghold. There's some today that just can't break away from a root of bitterness or a spirit of unforgiveness. There are some today struggling with an addiction. There are some today who are struggling with despair and feeling like it's getting darker by the moment. Once you understand, that's not the truth of God's word. Those are strongholds that the enemy is setting up in our lives. So how do we deal with these strongholds? Let's go back. Let's take it point by point. And let me show you what the Apostle Paul was teaching. Go back to verse 5 there again. It says, we're destroying speculations. Now, go back to the, the if you can, if you, let's go back to that walled city again. And if we can pull that back up, I've got it a little out of order in the notes. Uh, you can see there again in the city that if you were to be on the outside, and let's say the enemy now owns your city, but you want your city back. The only way you can get inside that area is to understand you've got to penetrate those walls. So what's that strategy going to look like? Well, uh, what about in your mind? That's where the stronghold is. How do you penetrate those lies? 
How do you penetrate those things that you've believed for so long? How do you penetrate those things that the enemy has used to keep you in bondage or keep you bound up? How do you ever make that break? How do you ever get rid of the stinking thinking like, I'm not worthy of God's love? How do you break through the lines when you've believed for so long that that addiction in your life is something you just can't live without it? How do you get victory when you struggle wondering, how can I be a Christian and think what I think or do what I do? How do you deal with that wall that's built up that's convinced you that you'll never amount to anything, that you're worthless, that you're a failure? What about the belief that this thing called Christianity is just too hard and I'm just not cut out to be a Christian and I just can't do it? What about that thought that just says you need to quit? Just quit on your marriage. Quit on your commitment to Christ. Quit on life. Just give up. It's too hard. It's too dark. It's too overwhelming. How do you get victory? Well, the first thing he says, verse 5, we're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so what Paul does in this one simple verse that we know as verse 5 is he breaks it down point by point by point, just like a military strategy to regain a city. The first thing you would have to do is you would have to penetrate the wall. You've seen old King Arthur movies or whatever, or knights fighting over cities and trying to get into the castle. Well, that first object is to penetrate the wall. Satan loves to build up these strongholds in our life, brick by brick by brick, speculation by speculation. He loves to build up these towers, these lofty things in our life that just become overwhelming and are these towers of torture. The second thing you'd have to do as you're dealing with the wall is you'd have to take control of those towers. If you didn't take control of the towers, the towers are the strength to the city. The towers are where they would put those seasoned veteran warriors who would be able to direct the entire city in how to best defend against the enemy's attacks. Well, if you were to take out the men in those towers, those lofty places, if you ever gained the towers then there was chaos behind the wall. And that was the very next step you would have to have in a successful campaign for victory. Once you understand, Satan has built these towers, these lofty things, these lofty evil thoughts in our heads, and they're fortresses and strongholds. I believe that he even places demonic spirits to try to keep those strongholds fortified in our lives, continually lying and lying and lying to our minds. It's important to understand Satan fights all the time. He ain't going to just give up his turf. He ain't going to just let you retake the city. He wants a stronghold to destroy you. The third thing that would have to happen is once you gained access to the towers, you had to take those leaders captive. You couldn't let them survive. You couldn't let them live. You would have to destroy the leaders of the towers. And then quickly you would find victory in the city. Well, take a look at verse 6 at what it says. It says in verse 5, we take every thought captive. What do you do when you take the thought captive? Verse 6, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. That word punish there actually translates in the concept of destroy. To ultimately destroy. It's not just to punish, like put them in time out. 
No, you take those evil thoughts, those thoughts that are on assignment to kill, steal, and destroy in your life. You take them captive. You see that these are from the enemy. This isn't from God's word. This isn't his truth. And you don't let them live in the tower. You got to take control. You got to first seize the tower. You got to seize the thought. And if you recognize it as the enemy, if it's stinking thinking, that's not from God. I have to recognize this is the enemy. And what do I do with the enemy? I destroy the enemy. I can't let the enemy live. If I allow the enemy to live, if I just recognize that, oh, this is just a satanic attack, and I allow that attack to keep attacking, that will eventually conquer me. But he says, we are ready to punish all disobedience from the smallest to the largest thought, from that first little thing that begins to creep into our mind to facing those things we fought for a lifetime. All disobedient thoughts must be destroyed. So how do you know? How do you know when you capture those thoughts daily? Oh, by the way, they tell us that on an average day, we process anywhere from 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot of thoughts. That's a lot of different mind games happening inside this brain. And they tell us that 80% of those thoughts usually are very negative. The battle of our minds. Well, Paul says here, out of all those 60,000 thoughts daily, take every thought captive. Think about what you're thinking about is what Paul says. Don't just go through your day allowing stinking thinking to live between your ears. Take every thought captive. Look at each thing you're thinking. Think about what you're thinking on. And then compare it. I want you to turn to this passage. Everybody turn right now. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. I love this verse. I meditate on it nearly every single day because every day I've got a battle and every day I need to think about what I'm thinking about again the Apostle Paul teaching Christians how to have victory said finally brethren wrapping up this challenge to the church at Philippi he gives this message he says finally brethren whatever's true whatever is honorable whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is holy whatever is lovely Whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. In other words, Apostle Paul said so many times we dwell on so many ugly things, unholy things, things that don't honor God, things that are not lovely, things that are not excellent, the lies of the enemy. And he says, you should take every thought captive and think only on these things. What I've done in the past and what I encourage many people to do and what I want to encourage you to do this morning is I want you to take this verse, I want you to print it on an index card. For some of you, maybe even on your phone, you can create a little digital screen or a memory verse or whatever, but find a way to keep this verse in front of your eyes every day until it becomes your new habit, until all you can think on is Philippians 4.8. And this has totally reconditioned and transformed my mind, renewing our minds being transformed. Philippians 4, 8, I think on it daily. Lord, is this a pure thought? Lord, in what I'm thinking, is this true? Is this lovely? Is it excellent? When the enemy tries to tell me that I'm a mess or that I'm uh, a failure, that's not what God's Word says. That's not true. God's Word says I'm more than a conqueror. When I struggle, could God love somebody like me? For God so loved me, he sent his only begotten son. For God so loved me, he gave me the privilege 
to become a child of the king. I combat the lie with the truth, thinking on what is true, what is honorable, what is pure. We have to understand that the enemy is a terrorist, a spiritual terrorist. He loves to sneak in behind enemy lines. He loves to attack us with doubt and thoughts of anger, hate and jealousy, humanistic wisdom, ideas, and philosophies. And he loves to populate those 60,000 thoughts a day, and he loves to be the center of attention. Quit giving him the castle. Quit giving up ground. Quit allowing him to build brick by brick by brick by brick the stronghold of stinking thinking. We have to take every thought captive. We have to punish every disobedient thought. And we have to remember our weapons are not just willpower and mind power. It's God's spirit, God's power, who's given us the ability to take every thought captive in his holy word, which gives us the truth that sets us free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's a legendary story that was told about Napoleon. Napoleon, who had many victories on this planet, won many battles in war. Not everyone, but many over time. His army was known as being extremely committed and devoted. And there's a story that went around all the provinces about a particular soldier who so, was so committed to Napoleon and the cause that he gave everything he had on the battlefield. Matter of fact, in one particular battle, he lost one of his arms. It was severed in war, and he continued to fight. Story got back to Napoleon. His commanding officer commended his valor in war, and Napoleon called for that soldier to come at the end of that particular battle, and as he was there in his uniform with one good arm, he presented him with the Legion of Honor. And during that process, Napoleon interviewed this devout soldier, hoping that what he could learn, he could spread to other soldiers. And he asked the soldier, he said, where did you lose your arm? He said, it was Austerlitz, sire, replied the soldier. And for that, you received the Legion of Honor? He said, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. I would give anything and everything to serve you and your kingdom. He said, well, you must be the kind of man who regrets that he did not lose both arms for his country. What would have been your reward, do you think, if you would have given both arms? And he said, I'm not sure, but I'd give anything for my country. Napoleon replied, I would have given you a double legion of honor. And in that moment, in front of all who were watching, that particular soldier drew his sword and immediately cut off his other arm. That story went around uh, all the provinces and people heard this novel story and told it from person to person and there was this zeal for this nation and this legendary hero of these people until someone asked the question how did the one-armed man cut off his arm you see people will believe anything and that's where the enemy wants you he wants you to believe anything but the truth. He wants you to believe anything that's unholy. He wants you to believe anything that is ugly. He wants, to believe, wants you to believe anything that will destroy you. But God has given you divine weapons to be victorious in mind games.
Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. As you've taken in this word today, I'm sure as you've been listening, the Holy Spirit's been showing you a stronghold in your life. God wants to give you victory. Divine weapons. Call on those weapons today. Call on God's grace, God's power, God's strength, and God's word. Call on the Holy Spirit to give you victory right now. For him to be your strength. For him to be your stronghold. Pray in Psalm 18 and say, God, I need you to take over the towers. God, I need you to take over this castle. And God, all the lies I've been believing, all the lies that have been owning me, God, I repent of those lies. God, forgive me for allowing those strongholds to set up in my heart and in my head. Lord, today, I cry out for victory. Just pray to God and let God do what only God can do. Maybe today as you're worshiping with us, you've believed a lifetime lie. That God loves everybody else but you. That God can't love somebody like you. I remember believing that lie. I remember sitting in church and seeing other people and thinking, well, it's obvious why he loves them. They got their life together. I'm a mess. Uh, It's obvious that God loves these perfect people, but I'm not perfect. I'm a mess. And God showed me his love for his creation. That he created me to be his child. That he so loved me, he was willing to die for my sin. And I hope today God would show you that very same truth. That you could believe what is said in Scripture. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever like you would believe, not in your head, but in your heart. For the Bible says in Romans 10, it's with the heart we must believe. I finally had a change of heart because I finally heard the truth. It went from my head and it made it to my heart. I had to change my thinking. I wasn't worthy of God's love. I had to hear the truth. The truth came into my mind. It made it to my heart. And it showed me that my heart was empty, but my heart could be full of the love of God if I would just believe in him. And if that's you today, right where you are, you could just call on his love and say, God, forgive me for believing the lie. Lord, today I want to become your child. I receive you into my heart. I trust you with all that I am. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Now fill me with your spirit, Lord. Whatever your decision today, I hope you would share that with our online pastor or share that with us here at PCBC. You can do that on the chat box by reaching out to our online pastor. If it's a private matter, you can email us at ministry at pcbc.tv. All of those come to my office. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to know what God is speaking into your life. I'd love to know what stronghold God's giving you victory over today. If you'd love to write into us, we'd love to be praying over you and praying with you in the days ahead. Take these truths every single day. Philippians 4.8, live it every single moment of every single day and have victory in your mind games. I'll see you next Sunday, October the 4th, right here in this place. Let's pack it out and let's celebrate together a new day, a new beginning, a reboot. God loves you and so do we. See you next week. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast 
to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.